Welcome to the Spirituality Redefined Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Del Rey. Together, we will define what spirituality means to you by exploring different tools and avenues to create and sustain your connection to yourself and the universe. Let's do this. I hope I got that singing on there. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the Spirituality Redefined Podcast. I am here today with my dear friend, Candice, who does not want to be introduced with a label, which I don't blame her. And I think we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to let her introduce herself to you all. Thank you. Thank you, my dear friend. I think that we decided on dear friend, my dear friend. But if we want to talk about Instagram, my official Instagram title is spiritual radass. <laughs> and I'm coining this new term because I feel like I am totally spiritual. I'm rad as fuck. And I don't like the badass. Like I don't I don't mm. want to be a badass. I mm. want to be rad. Like I want to be like I want to be me. Mm. But then I'm also a speaker. But I'm also a writer. Like I'm writing a book. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. I I I'm me. I'm me. And I think we talked about this really quickly is you, when you meet new people, a Mm. big question is people want to ask you, so what do you do? Well, in our line of work, how do you, how do you put a title or a label on that? I don't know. What do I do? So you, you start to try to, and I feel like it almost gets to a place where then we start to question our worth or like, what is a title? I think it just comes from a very masculine place, a very, uh, a, a very corporate hierarchy way of thinking, and it's mm. not necessary. I'm here. I would describe myself as a light worker. I would describe myself as a healer. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. There's so much to me. So to sit here and and try to choose one thing or a few characters, I don't think that that defines me. Yeah. And I think that the definition desire that we experience in like our society comes from wanting to everything to be neat and tidy. Because if yeah. I know what you do, if I know who you are based on the labels that you have, then I know how to interact with you or I know how to talk to you, or I know if I like you or not based on the, those titles or labels, you know? Yeah. And does that make a doctor more important in the room than somebody who maybe is unemployed altogether? I don't think so. No. Should I be connecting to the doctor because he has the PhD and went through school and has the title? I guarantee you I'll have a more interesting conversation with the person who has lived life and doesn't have an answer when I say, Mm. so what do you do? Yeah. I love that. And I told you controversial stuff was going to come up. It's like in my nature, I guess. Um, I think that's where we see, like, I'm going to use the word judgment for now, although other words are popping in my head and we can go there if that comes up. But like, I think that's why we're so judgmental towards people. We just have so many, whether there are labels or not that we identify with, like the labels that we place on other people, 
that makes them good or bad or worth our time or not worth our time. Like there are plenty of people and I feel like I have been in that space where you think certain people, not you, but people think other people are more important because of what they do. And I felt that when I was in law school, like, oh, people think I'm really important because I'm going to school to become a lawyer. Mm. And like, I have to associate with these certain types of people because like, and what's so funny about that, although everyone (laughs) was young, so I don't want to be like, (laughs) they were all a bunch of alcoholics, but uh, (laughs) I hope none of them listen to this podcast. But you know what I mean? Like, we don't even the labels that we have don't actually fit the people that we're applying them to, which is why labels don't work. Yes. Because I went to school and again, we were young, but all these people that we were drinking and partying and all these things that, I mean, some people I think who know that industry know that that's like really common, but you wouldn't think that. You would think like professional and wearing a suit and like very well-spoken you wouldn't think about anything else because that's the label that you put on that person. And when you put labels on anybody or anything, you constrict their ability to move or free themselves from that. Mm -hmm. And people start to identify. They're not a free spirit, which we're all free spirits. They're not in touch with their free spirit. They start to identify with that label and start to like check the boxes of it because that's what people expect of them. Yes. I honestly, yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not so, okay, so let's take it back to us. And so if I were to say, what do you do? And you would have to put a label on that. There's, could you call yourself a coach? Mm-mm. Right? Mm-mm, no, sorry. <laughs> Just making sounds yeah. over here. <laughs> no. <laughs> my, new, my new thing is just saying is that I help people. Yes. Like I help people heal. I help people find themselves. I don't need to. I know what I do. You know what I mean? Like I know the energetics of what I do. Yeah. I know the end, end goal, so to speak, for the people that I work with. But I don't really identify with anything that about who I am as I do that. Does that make sense? I'm not like, when I'm working with you, I am this. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just fucking Emma. Like, and what I'm pulling on, I was actually writing about um, something I'm working on the the other day. And something I always come back to is like, I, I, and here go, what word do I use? I help people by pulling on my own experiences, what I've tried and what's worked for me and what hasn't, my trained skills. And I think that's it. That's coming to mind right now. You know, like my experiences, who I am, what I felt, what I've experienced and what I've learned, whether that's formally or informally. And I think that that is where you get to the point of what you provide for your clients, again, we're getting into labels, the people that you help, that is one of a kind based on what you have been through in your own life experiences. And Mm. so you're going to connect with those people. And I think that this 
even to your point of us putting ourselves in that box, when people call us something for so long that we start checking off the boxes, like we then want to make ourselves that person. Mm. And But if that's not who we are deep down inside, then our soul is going to continue to scream to get out because that's not who it who it is. And I think that what I was hearing a lot, it's, so when you work with the people that you work with, you're working with them on their individual level. You're meeting them where they're at and you're supporting them through whatever it is that they're going through. And I don't think that what you're doing for them, that is priceless. You Mm. are I was talking to somebody and I, they said, what do you do? And I jokingly said, I support people in transforming their lives. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. Like, That's yeah, that is what I do. <laughs> like, wow, this is great. So I don't know. I just want, I just want it to feel good. Mm. I think that's what it comes down to for me. I think that for me, it doesn't need to be in a box. Um, and I'm learning this huge mm-hmm. through everything that I've been through and how it doesn't have to be in a box. It doesn't have to look the way that everybody thinks that it should look. So take my divorce, for example. I was together with somebody for 17 years. We were married for 11. We have two children together. There was too much infidelity in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why it ended. And so when a relationship, a marriage ends in that way, people's expectations of the woman who gets left for someone else is that the immediate reaction should be anger. It should be to fight back. It should be to get even. It should be to take the kids. It should be to take whatever you can get and leave him with nothing because this is what he did to you and this is what he did to his kids. Okay, cool. That's not who I am. So to identify myself as the angry, spiteful ex-wife, that's not who I am. So... I blazed my own path and we co-parent the fuck out of our kids. We have an amazing relationship for our children. Mm. Are we good in a relationship together? No, but I have learned so beautifully that I don't have to follow what other people think. What society thinks something should look like. That's not, that's not me. I'm sorry. I'm cool to do favors if he needs me to drop the kids off. I'm cool with the boys being on my phone to connect with their dad through FaceTime. I don't have to keep my boys from seeing their dad. I don't have to be angry and and spiteful and no, not at all. I went and got my nails done with the mistress. I've sat down and had coffee with one of the other people that he was with. I think that when you can't get to a place of being who you truly are at a soul level and accepting that it's okay to lead with love, it's okay to move through because it's really on the bigger level, you're releasing yourself, being Mm. tied 
that person or that experience. So when I get together for lunch with my ex-husband and my two boys, because it's my boy, my son is turning 13. That's not an awkward situation. We get together because it's for the kids and the stuff that happened in our relationship and in our past is behind us. And the person that I am is let's get through this. You're the father of my children. We had two children together. Let's do that for them. They don't have to suffer through the bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, I got totally on a, a sorry. No, that was good. And I, I mean, my brain started spinning about like all those things and how crazy is that, that we do that in such big ways. Mm. I mean, I guess it's the only way we do it, right? Is like put ourselves in boxes about all the important stuff. But even that there's like a right way to have a relationship and... And then it brought me to this com- conversation or this thought of like thinking that there's a right way to grieve. Like there's boxes with everything. There's boxes with every, like, and it's hard because I want to be like, some are, some are worse than others. I think they're all terrible no matter what it is. But I think when it comes to emotions, when you're saying this is how you, we expect you to react. Of when someone passes away or when, because some of what you talked about without talking about it is there's grief there because there's loss there. Mm-hmm. But that feels really dangerous to me is that there's standards and guidelines and boxes and things to be checked around feelings. Specifically, grief is coming to my mind, but like, this is the way you do that. And what happens when we speak that out and as it's been done, right? Because like there is standards out there that we that are expected of us when it comes to those certain things. Um, but we're denying people their right to be human. Oh my Which goodness. is really fucked up if you want my and that's why I use the word dangerous because it I, I I'm me, yeah, I'm gonna get there. Like I don't have any numbers on any of this, but I can imagine that that's why so many people suffer and so many people stay in grief because grief doesn't end, right? Like it's talking to someone the other day. I'm like, it's, it's cycles. It's like, but why so many people stay in a place where they don't actually process the grief is because grief really isn't accepted. You do the thing. This is taking a really weird turn on our conversation. But like... Now my wheels are just spinning. I know. Yep. And I know you're in Canada, so I don't know if there's any like difference between death processes in the sense that like here in America, I'm sure it's kind of similar. You're not that far away. Yep. I'm waiting because I had this conversation a week ago. We... How if someone dies, we get all the shit together that we need to get together to have the wake or the funeral or whatever your end of life thing may be, and then you're done. Like that's it. And I remember, I mean, I was 12 when my dad passed away, and I'm getting emotional. I always say that with a shock, like, oh my god, I have feelings, but it does feel like that sometimes. I'll be completely honest. I remember for what was probably a week or maybe not even my house being filled with people, filled with food, 
constantly. I was never alone. Someone was actually always sleeping with me, it felt like, whether that was my mom or someone else came to like be in my bed with me. That sounds a little creepy, but like there was someone always watching me almost. And then all of a sudden, that was gone. Yep. Like that was over. And why? Because society decided that two weeks after your dad died, that's when you are supposed to be healed. And that's Mm -hmm. when you're supposed to be able to get up and make your own sandwich. And that's when you're supposed to be able to go to bed and sleep in that bed by yourself that night. Why? Why? How? Oh, it's okay. So I've had this conversation a lot with a lot of my clients recently. A lot of people who are even just coming forward. um, So I'm trying to see if maybe this is a path that I'm supposed to be going down. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that this is coming up again today. Um, but grief specifically, okay, your mouth is, write it down. You're going to remember it? Mm-hmm. it I'm going to write it down. Okay. Um, so my biggest, I think the first thing I try to say to anyone who I am, I'm going to air quote coaching mm-hmm. through grief Um the first thing I start off with is letting them know that there is no timeline for this experience um, and expectations need to just go out the window. Yeah. Because we have been raised in the society that believes that we should just be getting on with life and going forward. So here's a couple of things that I'm noticing mm-hmm. and I'm really uncomfortable with right now as I'm experiencing so much in my life with people coming forward with these things. And so I think my biggest things here are the box that society wants to put us and our loved ones in. Mm. So why should, and you can let me know if it's different in the U S but in Canada um, with certain, when you work, and you have benefits. Mm. You get certain days for um, for bereavement leave. So somebody dies, and you get a certain amount of days. You don't get the same amount of days for a father as you do for an uncle. But what if right. in my situation, my uncle raised me, and my dad was gone at birth? Not mm. my situation, but hypothetically speaking, there are a lot of people out there What if my best friend's mom passes away, but she literally raised me from the age of 12, who knows, whatever, right? So why can't I have a few days off to grieve the woman who was a mother figure to me? I can get a week off because my my birth mom died, but maybe my birth mom, maybe I don't know who she is. So how do we go about that in society how is it not based on what that person is going through? And why do we in society tell people that they need to get over it by a certain date? And then all of a sudden, everybody else is over it. Mm. And then they leave you alone. And you, like, how traumatic is that for a 12-year-old girl to feel like she had everything around her and all the love and support in the world and now this time later, she not only lost her father, but has now lost what feels like all the love that she just had. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even imagine. And and all because they were told that that's when you guys were supposed to be better. And I don't know. And I think to another side of that is 
not when you're the person on the other end and someone's grieving. When you reach out, it's not a let me know if you need anything. You need to get off your ass and show the fuck up. Get up. If your heart is telling you that they need a tuna casserole, then make the damn tuna casserole and bring it over. If your heart thought of them and thought I should text them and just see how they're doing, don't expect a response. They're going through some shit. Don't make it about you. Let it be about them. And if they don't respond, it's okay. And if you have to send them every single morning, hey, I love you, I'm thinking about you, that's okay. Mm. That's so important. And I'm going to mention my cousin here and I'm going to have to tag her when we post this. But she lost both her parents. She's a little bit older than you, but now she has lost both her parents. So she's been through a lot of grief. And in I'm going to speak from what I perceived and not what her experience was. But I feel like she learned a lot that second time around that she wasn't able to articulate the first time around about what bothered her about grief. And now she's writing a book all about all of this. But one big thing, and it's what you said, is don't ask me if I, like, what can I, like, what can I do? Do you need anything? Because that person doesn't know what they need. They need you to. You have just given them another job. Oh my God, I heard this. I don't know where I heard this or read this, but that, how huge that is. Because for somebody who is grieving and going through that, life feels like the most insane Mm. checklist. And for you to say, what can I do? You've just put something else on their plate for them to have to decide how you can help them. Yeah. Stop that. Just show up. And it's not that. I feel that when people ask me that, even now, it's like, I don't know, like nothing. And I'm going to say nothing, even though I really probably could benefit from you helping me in some way, because I don't have the answer to that. Just do something that, you know, that you feel capable of doing. I was going to say that you think I would like, but it's not even about that. Just you do something that comes from your heart, then I'm going to appreciate it. I'm also going to probably appreciate it more because you didn't ask me to tell you what I needed because I don't know, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a big piece of it too. And I was talking to one of my clients the other day and she's like, I don't know how to tell people because I don't know how to deal with their reactions. Like, I don't know how to talk about my losses because I don't, I don't want to deal with people. And I was like, that's pretty fair. People don't know how to respond to grief. Like they don't know even now when I say, oh, my dad passed away when I was 12. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. That must have been so hard and all this stuff. And I'm just like, then I feel awkward because I don't know what to say. Because I'm not like, it's okay. Then sometimes I'm like, it was a long time ago. Like, I'm like, I, oh, I, can we, do you just not say anything? <laughs> so yeah. I can just say, yep, that's what happened. And if, like, just have no response. Especially not like, I'm sorry, like, yeah, me too. And that's even worse. Like, I've experienced a lot of death in my life. And I recently, the more aware of this become, I become, the more I hate going to wakes and funerals. Because I'm like, I don't want to say anything. But we're also so conditioned to like, when you go, I don't know if this is what you have in Canada. But like, when you go to a wake, like the family stands up front. And you're supposed to like, go and like, greet every person and like, say, I'm sorry, basically. Mm-hmm. And I like just let my mom do it. I didn't say anything. I was just like, 
like yeah. I gave hugs, but I was like, I'm not going to say I'm, and it's not that I'm not sorry. And this goes on to the whole topic of like, I feel that like grief is our own stuff. Like the way we handle death is just so messed up because we think that people, the people like grief is, it's just about us. Like it's our experience. It's kind of selfish. It's not means it's not going to happen, but the person, and this is my belief, is the person who dies, they go somewhere where it's better and they're happy and they're okay. What we're mourning is the fact that they're not in a physical body anymore. Right. And that's what's like hard. Can I challenge that a yeah. little bit? Too? Mm-hmm. So my, here's what actually frustrates me at funerals mm. is we do the same thing. Um, so you have the receiving line with the family and the mm-hmm. important people, again, air quote. Um, and they stand there and they're the ones to get, again, all the love and all the whatever for everybody who comes in. And I get it. So, you know, these people are coming out to pay their respects to the family as well for their mm-hmm. loss. Um, but why... I always get uncomfortable when I attend funerals or um, we either call it a wake or a, I don't know. Anyway, same situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a viewing. I think it's a wake if it's you're cremated, but it's a viewing if you're in a casket. Yeah, they leave the casket open. Oh, no, we do that too. It just sounds so creepy to call it a viewing. I think like for – and this just might be a me thing, and I'm not talking for all of Canada. I'm sorry, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like, I think the, the wake is like after cremation and the viewing mm. is before they get put in the ground, I think. It makes if, sense. Okay. We can edit that part out. Anyway, so, <laughs> but I think that where, why are we not having the celebration of life? So yes. when my Nana passed away, we didn't even call it a funeral. It was called a celebration of life because she was so adamant that we weren't going to mourn her death. We were going to celebrate everything about her being here. And so I love that thought. And that was the first celebration of life that I had ever attended. So that kind of set the bar for me. And so anyone, so I was 15 when that happened. And so anything after that, I walk in and I'm the one trying to bring up the happy things or trying yeah. to talk about the good things. I'm not uncomfortable laughing in a funeral home. I think that we mm-hmm. should all be laughing. I think that we should all be talking about the funny stories and the, all the memories and the why do we not have their favorite foods out or like, like all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and I had a friend who told me that I was in charge when he dies um, because he wants to be propped up, standing up, and he wants his hand out so that people can give him props. <laughs> so we have to get him to the funeral home before rigor mortis sets in so that we can prop his hand <laughs> so that people can give him props. And people are just going to like have drinks and party and celebrate and just like love life. How yeah. much more fun is that than everybody just sitting around being sad in a room? Way more fun. And I feel like I've experienced that a few times. That's like all we did for my grandpa. But I feel like I have been to funerals and wakes and gone through whole, that whole process. And then there's like a celebration afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, can we just skip the... <laughs> the well, it's the, like a wedding. Yeah. Like, why do we have to have the wedding? Why can't we just have the party? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I have strong feelings about that too. <laughs> they don't need to be shared. That's here. for another day. 
Yeah. And I think that's also what I was trying to get at is like, it's not, I mean, it's sad. Don't get me wrong. Like it's sad and we're hurting, but I think we're making it harder by going through the process that has been laid out for us. Also in a a day and age where we are so aware of mindset and how we can have further responsibility for our emotions and our reactions that we can, you know, alter the way that we see things and look at life and look at the, the dark side of things, death and, you know, all of the bad things Mm -hmm. in life. But I think if you can, you have to choose to get through it. You have to make a conscious effort that you're not going to stay stuck in that Mm -hmm. place. Mm-hmm. But allow yourself for it to take as much time as you need. And don't feel like there has to be an end date to it. And be patient with yourself and understand that a month may go by and you may feel really amazing one day. And then it may be another week of absolute shit. And that's okay. And I think having a group of people around for support who really understand where you are at, what your beliefs are, that they can talk about the things that you talk about, talk in the way that you talk and understand what you're going through. And I think support your healing on a deeper level Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of um, um, maybe the woo-woo beliefs that you can incorporate into your healing rather than it just being pure grief. And going back to the fact that grief isn't just death, Grief, grief can be a partner leaving. Grief yeah. can be your child going to university. Yeah. Grief can be uh, a, a best friend marrying someone and then you never see them again. Like who knows what it is? Like I don't want to downplay anybody's grief. Mm-mm. Somebody may have lost a pet and to them that felt like a child. So I don't want to sit there and tell somebody that their grief is not real but I want them to take a deeper look that it's truly coming from them and not that outside influence and that Mm. box that people want to put you in. Don't fall into the box of I lost my dad. So I have to be sad for the rest of my life because people on the street come to you and say, I'm so sorry. No, don't, don't feel like you, you need to stand in your power in that moment and be like, oh, I, I thank you for that. But you know what? It's been a lot of years. I've done a lot of healing and I'm feeling really good about it today. Some days I have shit days. Yeah. If I saw you yesterday, I would have cried. But today I'm doing good. So thank you. I appreciate you saying that because also not downplaying the fact that as humans, they want to connect with you in some yeah. way by saying I'm sorry. And those are literally the only words that they have. And I think yeah. sometimes as you become more conscious... We have these expectations on people who have not woken up in that same degree. And so we can't hold it against them that all they know is to say, I'm sorry. Because mm-hmm. really, if it's coming from a good place and it's coming from their heart, then then we accept it and we move on. But yeah, we I will shamelessly plug the Blissful Collective. And talk about that because it is, it's huge right now in our group. Um we talk a lot about grief. There's a lot of people going through grief in that group. And I cannot tell you how supportive each of the members have been to each other and through their journeys. And because everybody has experienced it from different 
places at different times of their lives, people can come in and talk about different things that maybe I don't know of. Just because I, just because I'm the host of the group, right? I'm only holding space for this group of women to share whatever's going on in their lives and to heal and help themselves through that mm. with the support of an amazing group and, and yeah. whatever that is. But I really think that um, in this time, in the, the space that we're in, I think it's really beneficial for us to have a group of people that we can call on and that we can we can know are there to support us because they want to support us mm. and there's no judgment and it's safe. Like you were talking about, like you, you want to be able to talk to people and communicate with people about what's going on and what you're experiencing. Yep. And sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody who lives on the other side of the country or the world yeah. than going to a best friend or um, a family member or something. So yeah, definitely. I would say that, that sisterhood and connection is huge in the, the healing of grief. I mean, and it, and it goes from, you know, the easy, (laughs) you break up with your boyfriend and your girls are like, let's take you out and get drunk. Like, it's just, that's what we do, right? Like we do crave that connection. We crave that, that someone knows what we've been through or what we're going through and that they can, um, at least just share space, even if they're just sitting on a couch next to you. Yeah. Passing you Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think that's such an important, important, important <laughs> thing to have. And I think that is something, and because of my age and like, I, I don't hold anyone responsible for that, but I feel like I didn't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Most 12 year olds didn't really want to have conversations like that. Cause at that point, most people hadn't experienced grief, at least not to that level. Um, And I think that's okay. But as I got older and as we get older in our lives, like surrounding yourself with people, it doesn't have to be, especially if you had an isolating experience like I did because of age, right? Maybe not because of anything but your age. It's okay to like reach out and lean on people now about that. Oh, and, I love and even talk about, yeah, like my dad passed away 13 years ago in June. And like, I, we don't have time to get into this, this part of the conversation, but it would be a really nice follow-up podcast to this of, I still want a space to talk about that. Yes. Like I still crave a space to talk about that. And I feel the people around me who also knew him most people, not everyone, um, are not great at allowing me to do that. And it's become almost like a taboo topic. Not taboo, but to the point where he hasn't been talked about regularly in so long that I feel weird bringing it up. Um, So finding spaces and people where you can talk about those things now and it's okay to still need to talk about it. Or, or even if it's not it, like, this is what happened and this is how I felt. You can share that. But even right. just talk about that person and have the space because that's grief too. Yes. Because it's much, it's all, it, once it happens, it's all connected. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's yeah. just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you're bringing up the fact, because here we are talking about there's no timeline to Mm-mm. it and how perfectly, like, 13 years later 
and you can still use somebody. Not that it's every day anymore. Right. Probably not every month. Yeah. But that there is a space that you know, there are people that you know that you can chat with. And maybe it's only a real quick one or whatever. But I think too, you touched on it. We're all the people listening to this podcast because they were meant to hear this episode mm-hmm. or just meant to be on this journey along with you. Mm-hmm. And so for them to know that it's, it is, it's individual and it can come up, up to 13 years later. Yeah. And because these people are on this journey of awakening or enlightenment or whatever word you want to use, you're on this journey. You're healing, you're working through your demons, you're, you're learning your lessons, you're up-leveling. And I think that when you do that, n- no matter what, healing is always coming up and then that, yeah. that past grief is going to come up. In some way, because like you said, it's not just you saying, oh, I miss my dad. I'm sad he's not here anymore. There's so much more to that. It's just even the fact that you can't heal through maybe something else, maybe a relationship and something about your dad and whatever comes up. So it it is, it's ongoing, it's ever evolving and it's, it's never going to stop. And that's okay. Then you're going to get grief in different ways with, you know, you get a pet and you know that you're probably going to outlive that pet and you're going to have a baby and children get sick. And it's just like, but how do you handle it? And then when you go through that and you learn those lessons and you have those people around you and then it happens again. Ooh, we talked about it yesterday, recognizing the change in you and the evolution in you when you then are able to open up and turn to those people mm-hmm. instead of those people having to come to you to say, I'm sorry, what do you need? Yeah. You're in a place where you can, you feel worthy enough to say to them, I'm, I'm feeling like shit today and I need you to bring me three burgers and a full big ass milkshake because that Yum. is what my soul needs right now. Yeah. Tomorrow we need you to send me inspirational quotes and a happy song and, and challenge me to have a dance party. But today give me all the cheeseburgers and all the milkshakes. And that's what you need. You just need the people that are going to show up at your door with the cheese stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love all that. Mm, I love you. I love you. Do you have any final words? (laughs) Final words of wisdom? I don't know. No, I really don't. That's... (laughs) (laughs) That's your story and you're sticking to it? That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Honestly, though, like I've just been like holding my rose quartz and just like mm. I knew that this episode wasn't going to be planned. It was Mm-mm. going to be whatever we felt. I just I knew whatever had to be spoken about today was going to be spoken about. And I trust that that's I love everybody. I legit just sit on a pink fluffy cloud. That's like where I live and where I want to spend all of my time. But I also understand that life is life. And mm. Yeah, if there's anybody going through anything and they're looking for some support, Emma and I are both in the Blissful Collective mm-hmm. and um, it really is. It's a beautiful place. Um, so if there's anybody who's interested in joining us there, then they can do that. Otherwise, you know what? Follow us on social media and all the good stuff because we post a lot of great stuff. And we do. 
I feel like our energy is our energy. Like I can't even say the word. Uh, let's try that again. <laughs> Remix. Um, so our energy is just like that's how yeah. we show. Yeah. So if yeah. Look at our social media and we vibe. Follow me. Love me. I will love you too. Mm-hmm. And let's just a whole bunch of love. Lots of love. All, all love. The love all the time. <laughs> Okay. I will put all the information for the Blissful Collective in the show notes that you want me to share. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll talk to you soon.